embarrassing myself even more. I get on the treadmill and just stay there looking around and watching them. I didn't understand their language, so I couldn't ask for help. And I, I am shy. I know some of you don't believe that when I tell you, but I really am shy. So I couldn't go up to a stranger and talk to them. So then I decided to leave the gym. So I went back to that door that I couldn't get in. Well, now I couldn't get out. It said, push to exit. So I did exactly what it said. I pushed the button, and then I pushed the door. And it wouldn't open. So I was like, okay, I'm not pushing hard enough. So I pushed the button harder, and I pushed the door. Still wouldn't help or open. So I'm like, I'm going to use the whole palm of my hand, Brother Little. And I'm going to show some force. So I just went, hit it hard like that. And pushed the door, and the door still wouldn't open. I stood there for a minute, and I'm thinking, maybe I need to push on the left side of this door. Maybe it's put on backwards. So I pushed the button again, and I went and pushed on the left side of the door. Guess what? It still didn't open. <laughs> I'm standing there, and I'm so humiliated, and I'm frustrated. The next thing I hear was, ma'am, you have to hold the button down. Then open the door. He yells all the way across the gym. And I'm like, so I pushed and held the button and opened the door and I ran to my car. And I was sitting there starting it up and I'm just shaking my head. I was so embarrassed. And I felt the Lord, he, I felt the Lord nudge me. And he does. He talks to me in craziest things. But he said, Laura, you haven't been here in a long time. And you didn't know what you were doing. And then when I sat in the car, I didn't tell you this part. I fell into the car. I was exhausted. But I felt good at the same time, if that makes any sense. And so he said, you haven't been here in a long time. You didn't know what you were doing. And you're tired. And I felt him say, that's what a lot of prodigals feel like. You know, they come into the house of God. They haven't been here in a long time. Uh, they've maybe forgotten what to do. Forgotten about the altar, forgotten how to pray or even how to approach God. And they might feel ashamed and embarrassed to approach God because all of that they've done and the things that they've forgotten, just like I felt ashamed and embarrassed to approach for help, they, they feel ashamed and embarrassed to approach for help. And I started thinking about that. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't see anybody in authority in that gym to ask for guidance or assistance. And, and if I did, I'd probably been too embarrassed and ashamed to go and say, can you show me how to use this? Because I'm thinking, I should know how to do this. I've done this before. And that's probably exactly what they feel when they come into the house of God. Some individuals that walk through that house, through, the, through these doors, have never been in a church before. I know that's hard to believe, but there was a time in my life I'd never been to church before. I didn't know how to pray. And I prayed... God is good, God is great, thank him for this food, amen. In, in a youth class one time, and there was no food, I'll never forget that. I didn't know what I was doing, I was lost. And so sitting in the car, I realized some of us have been raised in this church, and we've been in this church our entire lives. And some of us have been here, and we've been here for years. So we know what to do when we come to the house of God, because we have a close relationship but those who are coming through those doors and they haven't been here in a long time or they've backslidden and they've been out there for a really long time, they forgot. They need guidance. And so I was thankful, even though the man yelled all the way across the gym, hold the, the button, then open the door. It was embarrassing, but I was like, thank you, Lord, that he told me how to get out of the, 
out of the gym. And I'm thinking, you know what? When individuals come into the house of God, we just got to go to them. Is there anything that I can help you with? Do you, is there anything I can do for you? And just love on them. Because it's been so long that they don't know. And so I realized that in life, we must choose. There's two choices always in life. And I have a choice. Do I go back over there to that gym and do it all over again? Of course I do. I keep going back until I figure it out. Or I could say, I'm never going back in there ever again. That was so humiliating. You know, I'm just going to keep eating zebra cakes and be happy with my life. No, there's a choice there I have. And so I sat down. I, I really started thinking about it because it bothers me. And the Lord started speaking to me. And so this morning, I want to take just a few moments to give you a, a study on every single day in life, we have two major choices. And so today, you must choose one or the other. So the first thing is we have two rulers of men. There's Satan. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4 says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And then if we go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, again, we're still speaking about Satan, and it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So our second choice is Jesus, of course. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then if we jump over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24 through 28, it, and it reads, Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, and when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So you have two choices here. Two rulers. Someone's going to rule over you. You can either make that choice to allow Satan to rule your life, or you have a choice to allow Jesus to rule your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you walk in obedience, you've already chose your ruler. And then if you walk in uh, love and faith and hope and obedience, you've chosen Jesus to rule your life. The second is two foundations. We have two foundations. The first foundation that you can choose from is shifting sands. When we go to Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 and 14, 
enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. When we go to Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 48, it says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat against that house and could not shake it. For it was founded on the rock. And our second choice is the solid rock. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. I know I'm going fast. If anybody wants these scriptures, I can forward them all to you today. And it's 1 Corinthians 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's a firm foundation. So when the storms come... And the winds blow and the rain beats down. When you have your foundation built on Jesus, you can't be shaken to the core to where you crumble. You're, it crumbles underneath you. But when you build your life on things that are not eternal, on careers, on people, on things of houses and cars, when you build your life on those things, a storm comes, it's not going to hold you up. You're going to be shaken and then it's going to crumble underneath you. And you're going to fall in despair. But when we build our life and our hopes on a firm foundation, we'll withstand whatever comes our way. So, we're going to go to two roads ahead. There's the broad way and there's the narrow way. So when we go to the broad way... Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14, it says again, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because it's easy. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Matthew chapter 20, verse 26. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And then now our second choice is going to be the narrow way. Matthew seven thirteen through 14, I will read again. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. I'm going to pause there for a second. That's the easy gate. Because the easy gate is what our flesh wants. We don't, I say we, but most individuals know, we all know that sometimes anything that's good, well, all times, anything that's good, you're going to have to work hard for it. Anything that means anything to you in life, you're going to have to work hard to keep it, to obtain it, 
and to receive it. You're going to have to work hard for it. But anything easy in life is just handed to you, given to you, those things, just like our flesh wants. Your flesh wants what feels good immediately. You don't want to have to work for it. You just want to accept it. So it's easy because the enemy knows what our flesh wants. He knows what feels good. And so he's going to feed it to us. And that's going to be easy. So the scriptures telling us that's destruction. That's the way to destruction. And it says because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. I don't think it's saying that it's difficult to love the Lord because it's not. It's easy to love the Lord. But it becomes difficult sometimes because of trials and tribulation. If you think that trials and tribulation is easy, I need to sit down with you. I want you to teach me some things. Show me how to make that easy. Because in my, in my 30 something years, I forgot how old I was, 39 years, I have never felt that trials and tribulation is easy. It's been very difficult. And sometimes I didn't think I was going to make it through. But I had my foundation on the Lord. I had people praying for me. That's why the church forsake not the assembly. Because we need each other to, to help pray us through and to help us through life. So it's difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Luke chapter 13 verse 24. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able if that verse does not shake you, it should shake you. So I'm going to read it one more time. It says, strive, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. I want to do whatever I have to do to make it through the narrow gate. No matter how difficult it's going to be, no matter what I have to let go of, what sacrifices I have to make, and that is hard to say because it's been some really hard sacrifices. I want to make it through the narrow gate. Our next two ways is guides in life. We're going to have two guides in life. There's Number one is man's opinion. We all have opinions, every one of us. Some of them we want to hear, some of them we do not. So man's opinion, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but, it ends, but its end is the way of death. And then our, sec our other choice is faith in God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Romans 10, 16 says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So on that we have two gods in life. I've always been told this. A really long time ago, and I held on to it. Lord, when you need advice, are you going to go to someone who has a relationship with God, who knows God, and has been through what you've been through? Or are you going to go to someone who just talks about God, who just knows of God? I'm going to go get my advice from someone who has a relationship, who's been through what I've been through, who has survived the fires who's gone through the storms, because I know that they're going to keep leading me in the word of God. When you stand on the word of God, then all else will follow.
fall away, but you'll still be in the truth. I'm not going to go to someone who's backslidden. I'm not going to go to someone who used to live for the Lord. But I'm going to go, well, I'm going to tell you who I always go to. And that's Brother, I almost said Brother Pastor. That's what Dawson calls him. My pastor, that's who I'm going to go to. He's my God. He's my authority. So, and that's leading into the second one. There's always going to be two authorities in life that you're going to choose from. The first is creeds of man. 1 Corinthians 4 and 6 says, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of the one against the other. That's creeds of man. Okay, but this is what the Bible only says. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. So make sure that the authority, the one who has authority of over your life, is not going to be men out there. But you're going to stand on the word of God. You're going to go and you're going to have the authority of God's word over your life. I want God's authority and his commands and his promises over my life. And the next two choices is doctrine. Doctrines held. We can have faith only. In James 2, chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Thus also faith by itself. It does not have works. It is dead. And I'm going to say this. I hesitate, so maybe that's not a good sign. But if you just say, oh, I believe in God and that's enough, it's not enough. That's a, that's a deceitful lie from the enemy. You can have faith. You know, I can say I have faith in something, but if I don't believe and I don't put that faith in action, then it's doing nothing. So if I say, oh, I believe God does exist, but I don't put that faith in action and I don't put forth a relationship with God, then I have nothing. I'm spiritually dead on the inside because I've heard this recently. We all came from dirt. We're just, I told Sister Shay, we're just a bunch of bag of dirt. We're, no, we, I shouldn't say we're dirt bags. That's bad. But we're all just dirt. And then when the power of God, when he breathed inside of us, that's when this dirt came alive. His power came inside of us. So when we were filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, his power came inside of us. And then his anointing and his love, everything, he flushed all the junk and the trash out of this vessel. And then that's when I came alive. I I began to live a life for the Lord because I have a relationship He lives inside. He dwells inside of this temple. So that's when I know that I'm alive. So when you you just have faith-based only religion, I guess you would call it, uh, you don't have a relationship with him. You you could possibly go to church just on Easter. That's what I used to do. I'm saying that because that's what I used to do. And there's no relationship. I honestly believe churches where old people came before they died. I had no idea who God was. I didn't know anything. I was completely ignorant. And then I had an experience. God touched me. And when you get touched by the master, you're never the same. Never the same. 
thing. So that brings me to our second choice, obedient faith. Obedient faith. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 says, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obeyed him. I want obedient faith. And obedient faith can be explained over so much. But I do know that when I obey the word of God and I believe in his word and I trust him, even when I can't see it, even when I can't feel him, there's all kinds of seasons we go through. Just like when I went into that gym, I knew how to use some of that equipment, Brother Wills. Some of it I did not know. Some of it exhausted me. I couldn't feel my arms anymore. They were like noodles. My legs were burning on fire. I sound like a freight train running through that gym when I was breathing. It was so loud. I was out of breath. It was difficult. It was hard. But I was given instruction, and I was following those instructions, and I went through regardless of what it was doing to me physically. So when we have obedient faith in God, sometimes it's going to knock the breath out of us. Because you know what? When you leave an old life, you leave friends behind. You leave hobbies behind. You leave things that feels good to the flesh behind. You become stripped of the old man. And then you have the new man put on because the power of the Holy Ghost comes on you. And then you go through a delivering uh, stage, I guess you could call it. And God delivers you from all of that filth, from all of those things that it was me, 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 me. What can make me feel good? What can I do for me to, to excel myself? All of that, my self-religion is gone, Brother Littles. And then that power comes on you. And then it's easier. If you live for God easy, then it's hard. But if you live for God hard, it's easy. And that is so true. That is so true. So I know that when the power of, the God, of God, when I obey the word of God, everything. You know, I always say it would be so good if we were born with a manual. It came with it. And it just stuck it to us for the rest of our life. God would show us in every chapter of our life what temptations come in, what uh, tribulations come in, what storms come in. Then he says in red letters underneath, okay, Laura, this is what you're going to do. I want you to do exactly this, and you're going to come out. It's fine gold, and everything's going to be hunky-dory, and we can just go on to the next chapter. That's not exactly how it works, folks. That would be so awesome. But we are given a manual for life, and it's the word of God. There's, the word of God says there's nothing new under the sun. You know, I always wondered about that. And the longer I live for the Lord, every single thing I have faced, my temptations, the little, even the skeletons in my closet, they're in this book. Every single one of them are in this book. God has showed me how to overcome things. He showed me how to survive situations. So nothing that comes to you is new. You're not experiencing something that someone else hasn't. You're not going through something that someone else hasn't. Your emotions are very different because we're all different. We all experience different emotions. But the power of God, when we live in obedient faith and we stick to the word of God and we obey him, it's blessings. It's the way to life, peace, joy, and happiness. It truly is. It truly is. Now, there's two places to die. The first one is lost in sin. 
Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 18 says, When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Wow. Wow. That's scary. I don't want to answer for anybody's blood on my hand. When I stand before God on judgment, I want to know that everybody that God has put in my life, I have. And I'm going to read the scripture again. So think about this. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. And you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. I'm not going to look at someone and say the wickedness that they're living in. Oh, that's okay. It's not okay. The word of God says that we, it says, and nor speak to the, warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I require at your hand. I don't want to lose anybody to sin. I don't want anybody to die in their sin. I don't want anyone to be so lost and deceived, but there is, Brother Reynolds. Unfortunately, there are individuals that we have in our own family who are lost in sin. And that breaks my heart. Every day at work, I see individuals who are trapped and bound by addictions and grief. That grief is so hard on their life that it's pulled them down till they lost every single thing that they own. And they're living in boxes and in tents and abandoned homes because of grief. They can't face the world. They can't get up. They just want to die. They have no hope. They're lost in sin. And it's pulled them away. I don't want, I don't want anybody. I want to tell everybody about the love of God. And so every single one of us here today, every single one of us, God's commanded us. We need to go out and do what? We need to share the truth. We need to share the love of God. And I used to think, I used to say this, Brother Reynolds, I'm not a preacher. You know, I'm not a minister. I can't do that. I don't know what to say to those people. What am I going to say to those people? It is so easy, folks. Every single one of you that I'm looking at right now, you have a story that God has brought you through something. God's delivered you from something. Or God showed you something in the word of God that you faced temptation with. And God's got you through it. So they don't want you to throw the book at them. They don't want that. But if you will sit down and listen to someone and let them talk, and then you will just, when it's your turn, then you say, well, I know God is real because, and then you share everything that God's done for you, and you share with them scripture. You say, you know, in the, in the Bible I saw this, and this is what God did through me through this scripture. Then you just share the love and the truth of God with that person. It really is easy. Share your story. So our second choice is when we have a place to die, you either have a place to die in sin or you have a place to die saved in Christ. I want to die saved in Christ. I look forward, actually, to the time that I can go home and to look upon his face and to walk on streets of glory. I'm excited about the coming of the Lord. I don't fear it anymore. I don't fear death anymore. But Revelation 14 and 13 says, then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, 
Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. That's a blessing. That's a promise I have. I want to die in Christ. So our last one, and um, it's going to be two destinies to await us. And this one's pretty heavy, but it's real. Hell's real. Heaven's real. God's real. Satan's real. It's all real. And I always want to make a joke every time it gets too serious. But I heard my sister say, yeah, you're like a fallen angel. I said, quit calling me Satan. You know, she was trying to be nice in like a, a you know, when they pick up lines, I guess. But Satan fell from heaven. Okay, never mind. Okay, so there's two destinies that await us. And that's going to be torment and hell. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 16. Luke 16, we're going to start with verse 19. I'm going to go to this one. Luke chapter 16, not 15, Laura. This is why I write stuff out. Luke 16, verse 19. And it reads this. The word of God says, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and in fine linen, fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us, you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment." So you can, and I've said this before, you can choose to burn now or you can choose to burn later. And I know that's harsh, but it's true. And I've got to hurry. So we can either burn now, we suffer now like the beggar did, and we, we have those things and we go through that. We, we have affliction now. We go through those afflictions and keep trusting in the Lord and doing what is right. Or we can be like the rich man and we can chase after the things that make us feel good now and then we'll burn later. I, I would rather burn now, Brother Littles. I would rather have to suffer now for just a short time and stay close to my Lord instead of being like the rich man and going out those doors and spending all my time chasing what's going to make me feel good now and then I burn for all of eternity. You know what the, the rich man said. He goes, please. Please send them back to my house. Please, I have five brothers. I don't want them pr 
But little, I have family. I don't want my family to come here. God, if I can't get to my family, please send someone with the truth that can reach my family. And you know what? You might be the answer to that prayer today. Folks, you might be the person that needs to reach out to other people's family because they can't. We've got to share the love of God, and I've got to hurry. So uh, the last one, the last one here is joy in heaven. So we're going to go to Revelation 21. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 21. Verse 1. And now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. And then I, John, saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain where the former things have passed away. Wow. So we have a choice today, folks. And I'm finishing up, Brother Littles. So you must choose one or the other. I gave you two choices in every area today. So the last choice is we have two destinies that await us. So you have a choice. Are you going to choose torment in hell or are you going to choose joy in heaven? I want to choose joy in heaven, so I'm going to stand on the word of God. If you'll stand with me today. I'll pray and I'll go ahead and end the class. Lord, I want to thank you, God, for your truth, God. God, I pray for every backslidden individual, God. God, I pray for every prodigal son, for everyone who doesn't even know you, God, that you would equip us, God. God, that you would help us to choose the right way, God. God, that you would help us to live in obedient faith, oh Lord. God, I pray today that you would help us, Lord, to reach those that we are going to be held accountable for. God, not to cover their sins or to okay their sins, but God, help us to pull them out of hell, Lord. I thank you for your word today, God. I choose you, God. I choose your ways, 